This week on Back of the Grid, we'll be discussing Sainz staking his claim as Ferrari's number one, what went wrong for Red Bull, Lawson giving AlphaTauri a driver headache, and we'll be looking ahead to the Japanese Grand Prix this weekend at Suzuka. Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. Finally all back in the same time zone for the first time in a few weeks. Um, Apologies to those of you watching on YouTube for seeing all of our jet lagged faces. Um, <laughs> but while you're there, hit the subscribe button if you're not already. It's um, ever growing, so thank you all for joining us there. Uh, I'm Chris, Tom's also back in the same time zone. Hello, back in the ta- same time and, zone. And Stu's always been here. Hello, I never left. <laughs> yet but i feel like you're off again in like a week or two it's been you a, are next week yeah yeah a bit. well it's been a I might, weird be around, might not be around it's, just, it's uh, up in the air a bit oh keeping everyone on the toes a little bit yeah yeah tune in and find um out. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that'll get people tuning in um we are here to discuss the singapore grand prix which i really enjoyed i think that's one of the better singapore grand prix we've ever had which admittedly a slightly low bar but even so. Dare I say best Singapore Grand Prix ever? I think I can go with you on that. Maybe I mean, it's up there. The only one I'll always ever remember outright is the one with Crashgate. So, yeah, it's not it's not hard to beat, <laughs> And that was I guess. not the best one. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was the one where we had, um, uh, who was, what was the name of the Ferrari manager at the time? Arriva Benny? Oh, yes. Yes, probably. And we... And he had the alternative facts about the the crash. That was a, that, that was a single oh, highlight. Wait, no, you're not thinking of the same thing I am. What are you thinking I, of? I'm thinking of the Renault incident. That was Singapore. Oh, ooh, ooh, <laughs> that definitely yeah. wasn't the best one. Yeah, I'm that's sure that'll come up again. About. Yeah, let, let, let's uh, leave that there because I'm sure that's about to rear its ugly head. In <laughs> yeah, probably actually in a few weeks' time or soon. And it keep it'll that'll just go on and on and on. Right, <laughs> let's carry yes. on. Um. But we'll start, unusually for this season, um, at Ferrari and Carlos Sainz um, with just an incredible drive. I mean, easily the most complete weekend, I think, of his whole career. He was just on top of it from the word go. Memories of Imola 2022 have faded long into the distance, I think, this weekend. (laughs) Uh, It was such a good drive, wasn't it? Like, I think... He didn't have the fastest car for large periods of that race. He definitely didn't have the car with the best tire management for most of the race. I mean, well, most, most of, of the, the season, season ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then that last phase, like holding up to give Norris DRS to defend, like it was just such smart driving. Yeah, the the radio message was the highlight of yeah. that moment for me with the. Uh, Norris is within 0.8 and has DRS. Like, I know that's the plan. <laughs> it's on purpose. El plan. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it, it was kind of like the old Alan Prost thing of like winning a race at the slowest possible speed. It was that kind yeah. of approach to a, to a Grand Prix win. Which I feel like with the tire deg of the Ferrari, that's how it, that's the only way you can win a race in it at the minute. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, it was a strategic masterclass, I think. Like, I think yeah. to, it was. to manage the pace of the race the way he did throughout, to be just fast enough that, you know, no one was going to overtake it, but not so fast that he was going to wear his tyres down completely. And 
we, we ended up with a sort of peloton like race I yeah think, for the for the first half of the season it was more like a formula e race than a yeah yeah but sorry first half of the race it was more like a formula e race than a formula one race thing especially given you know that new style of formula e racing where they are trying to save as much energy as possible until and only using it when they need to i think it's the same this race with Ferrari leading it in terms of tire management. Everyone was, you know, it was the tire management was right on a knife edge, I think, for more than just Ferrari, for a lot of people. And that's what gave us this amazing kind of tense peloton of, of cars going until finally, you know, the trigger happens and everyone makes a break for it and it's race on. And it was just, oh, just fully entertaining. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah it, was it was so good. good. I think it was... On Mercedes radio, someone said they're sacrificing Leclerc. Yeah, it was for, it was Russell yeah, when he was following the signs here, and I think that's like the standout thing for me from this is this is definitely the first time we've ever seen Ferrari go all in on Carlos signs, yeah. and look what happened. Like, who knew? <laughs> yeah, and like. You mean You've the most overrated them. driver in Formula One isn't the the horse they should have backed? <laughs> Guys, I've had the hat for two seasons. The curse is finally coming good. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you have to look back at all the times they've leaned in Leclerc's favour and wonder, like, you know, what could... Like, as Sarah said in the Discord, this sign's first win was despite Ferrari because he went against them trying to back Leclerc. And yeah. now they finally lean towards him and he was just flawless. Like if they give those guys a proper championship contending car in the next couple of seasons, like I don't think they can just be the Leclerc team anymore. Like Sainz has proven all season he's been great, but this race especially he's proven that like he is right up there and just as good. Yeah. Totally. 100%. Totally. He he always has been just as good, if not better, if you ask me. But yeah. you know, that's just my I mean, opinion. Yeah, you don't need to know my opinion of science. I've always fanboyed him, so <laughs> it's obvious where dare, I stand on this. Dare I say that he is... I still think Leclerc is out and out the faster of the two of them. Dare I say that Sainz is maybe the sort of smarter racer, like the better racecraft of the two of them? I would I would say he's the more complete driver. I was literally about to use a similar phrase. I would say he's the more rounded, like, overall of the two of them. I think Leclerc's, yes, got more raw pace. And if you gave him like one lap shootouts in quality type scenarios over and over again, Leclerc would probably come out on top in yeah. those scenarios. Like not, not by a huge amount, but I think call it like 60, 40 to Leclerc or something like that. I think if you went rounded picture, Carlos has got more going for him. I mean, I've always thought this about the guy. I've I've fanboyed him back since Toro Rosso days. Like, I've always wanted to see him kind of climb up the 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 rung, so to speak, the roster and yeah. gain a good seat. And if I feel like what it was said a lot over the weekend, but I feel like it's right. Like whatever he's gone away and done over the summer break to just come back reinvigorated and get the best out of the situation he's in seems to have worked. Like he's been. He's been on point these last couple of races since coming back. So, okay, um, the you're about to say the recency bias is strong in this one, but <laughs> I, I I feel like I've seen signs have more standout special drives 
than I have seen Leclerc have standout good drives. I think when Sainz mm. was at McLaren, he had a lot of really good drives and got a lot out, a lot more out of the car than what maybe he he would he could have. <clears throat> mm. And I think Leclerc at Ferrari, yeah, you know, there's been one or two where he's he's done a good job, but he's I don't think he's ever necessarily got more out of a Ferrari than what the Ferrari had to give. If I think of standout special Leclerc drives, I'm thinking of what he did at Alfa Romeo. 100% what I was about yeah. to say the, the things that got him the Ferrari drive in the first place, I think. Yeah, I, I was going like, to say that that's where the majority of them were. Like, it's I'd not be interested to hear from people. Ferrari, but... Yeah, I'd be interested to hear from people if like we're way off with this because we all seem to be of an agreement on where we stand on Leclerc and Sainz. And I don't know how controversial an opinion that is these days. So I'd be interested to hear from people if they think we're way off or if like the general consensus in fandom is going that way. Yeah, right. Yeah. Down. Sound off in the comments below. I think, I think the thing is though, to, to just be very key about it is, it's also like not saying anything particularly negative about Leclerc. It's just that no. we think science is better no, still a great driver. overall. Other than, other than Leclerc is the most overrated driver <laughs> in Formula One, obviously. But other than that, not saying anything negative about him now. This is no wonder we get no Ferrari fans here. The one time we have something <laughs> nice to say about them. Mm, I guess. Jose um, counts. <laughs> <laughs> Last bit on Ferrari then. I mean, certainly on Sainz's side, they were strategically extremely good. Do we think they should have pitted Leclerc under the VSC at the same point the Mercs made their second stop? It wouldn't have hurt him. Uh, yeah, like going, <laughs> going a bit split hindsight. strategy. Yeah. Because uh, without getting ahead of ourselves, like that move from Mercedes was a very positive, we back ourselves, we back our drivers to make this yeah. work. And mm-hmm. it feels like Leclerc not coming in was almost kind of a self-doubt almost. Like they didn't want to, they didn't have the confidence to give up track position. No, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's they've got... I think Ferrari are very much a one-car strategy team and they can only really back one of their cars at a time. (laughs) That's a good point. And unfortunately, they they were so focused on the science game that they kind of... I think they just accidentally, not not necessarily on purpose, just just hung Leclerc out to dry. Just like, right, there's your tyres. We're going to focus on this race and winning this race and you just carry on. You just crack on, mate. (laughs) Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? Because it, like, you heard the comms between science and the team, and it's not like they didn't happen with Leclerc, but you sort of knowing Ferrari and the strategy that they deploy, you would expect that they never even asked Leclerc what he wanted to do. <laughs> but yeah, we'll move on then. Talking of strategy to Mercedes, who I think all in all probably had the better strategy doing that two stop with the VSC in play. I mean, their double stacks were, like, so slick. Like, we've we've seen them make some pit stop, not howlers, but, like, um, pedestrian pit stops in the past, but these ones were top draw. Yeah, they were good. Hamilton did have to queue for for the, the uh, I think it was the VSC safe, the one, the first set of pit stops that they did. I think they came in together. But didn't they double stack both times? They they definitely double stacked under the full safety car because yeah they did both times there was 
there was almost a moment where Hamilton waiting behind Russell was blocking the Ferrari in, maybe, I think. So Hamilton came he Hamilton was kind of coasting into 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 his pit box and Leclerc was wanting to come out at the same time and obviously couldn't because there's Hamilton coast slowly moving into his pit box which I think is just really it's just look at the draw isn't it when, yeah. when there's a when there's a VSC or a, or a, or any or a rig, or a proper safety car when teams double stack sometimes this stuff happens you know it'll ha- I'm sure at some point Leclerc will benefit from it in his career, it's just one of those things. I'd, I'd say yeah. maybe there, there may be something you could do to try and fix it. You could maybe put a rule in to stop teams double stacking, but I think that takes away I, part oh of yeah. the spectacle of Formula One. So I think that's and I think in a way Ferrari caused a problem themselves there because that was kind of the first step of Leclerc's race being sacrificed because he did back the pack up as much as he kind of could get away with to make yeah. sure Signs got a clear stop and got away. Yeah. So it's it's not really. It was made of their own doing. So, yeah, made of their own doing on that one, I think. So the question is then, should Mercedes, and Russell in particular, have done better in that final stage of the race, given Mm. the tyre advantage they had? I think Russell should have been faster, yeah. I think his teammate was faster than him, clearly. So yeah. Russell should have been at least as fast as his teammate. He had been, he'd, been, he'd had the measure of Hamilton all weekend, and suddenly they put these fresh mediums on that they've been saving the whole time for mm. for this exact situation, and all his pe- well not all his pace but a couple of a couple of tenths of his pace disappears, and it was just enough for it to be the, the difference of being able to overtake uh, Norris and not being able to, to overtake him. I think he needed an extra, probably an extra tenth or two tenths to be able to get that move done and even then it was on a knife edge yeah. Um, and yeah he just lost it and I think Hamilton if Hamilton had been ahead I think Hamilton gets that move done I think he was clearly way quicker than Russell at the time I think he'd have won the race honestly I think he could have oh yeah I mean once he was past not like if either of them had got past Norris they'd have also got past Sainz but then the at the same time both it, it's also on Hamilton to overtake his teammate if he's quick enough to overtake his teammate and he did True. yeah so you know like yeah. the only way he wins that race is by getting by Russell, by Norris, and then by Science. You can't yeah. be relying on the team to swap you around. Like it's up to you to be fast enough to to be quicker. Yeah. Especially in a season like this when Red Bull have taken every race and everyone else is fighting yeah. over the scraps. You know, no, there's not going to be any yeah. team orders in this situation, is there? No, no, <laughs> not at all. Well, there shouldn't be. And then, of course, it kind of all ended in Russell clipping the wall and crashing out on the final lap. It was the lightest of touches, you know, as well. I've watched the yeah, old it wasn't a big one. It was literally maybe a centimetre mm. over. It, it was just not even that. It was, it was so, so, yeah. so. Well, just the tiniest lapse of concentration. Because Norris clipped yeah. the wall Norris as well at the well, same yeah. point, and he just got away with it. And, yeah, it's like it shows the knife edges you're operating on. Mm. Um, he was yeah. extremely upset with himself for doing that, understandably. Yeah, it was obviously um, tears in his interviews. Absolutely... Yeah wrecked and you would be you totally would yeah be. especially when you've only got one win under your belt you know like yeah really really yeah. unlucky for for russell but at the end of the day you know it is it's formula one isn't it it's, it's it is where it is like th- these are the top yeah. guys and you've got to be on top of your game for 100 percent of the game to 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 get the most yep. out of it and yeah you know it's just that 0.1 percent of of not being at your absolute best and it's, and it's cost him so dearly. It's really, really unlucky. Yeah. 
um, painful for Mercedes from a constructor's point of view as well. They would have opened the gap slightly to Ferrari had they both finished where they were. But as it is, Ferrari closed the gap a chunk. It's down to like, like 24 points, I think, the gap between second and third now. So race is very much on for that second place in the uh, constructors. Yeah, yeah. We'll move on to McLaren. Um, I mean, we have to say we were on Norris. I mean, just a fantastic drive for for second place. Um, his defensive driving again was phenomenal. There were those couple of times Russell got a proper run on him. It reminded me of when he was defending against Hamilton at Silverstone. He was the similar sort of just perfect car positioning defense. So good. Yeah, not not really much to add to that. I, um, he he drove a hell of a race. He managed his tires very well. He just you know he kept he was the attention wasn't really on him for that much of the race. Oddly, everyone was sort no. of talking about sights and expecting the Mercedes to catch up, and we didn't really see much of him. He was just quietly banging in the laps and keeping sights mm. honest throughout the entire thing. And I think it was yeah, you know, we ought to talk about if Norris had been that little bit quicker. Then, or or if science had made even the slightest mistake, then you know we'd be looking at Norris a Norris race win here. So Definitely. that's how tight it was. I mean, when did we last see a almost race long four way fight for the lead for, yeah. for a win? Like, it's so good, yeah, unprecedented, and, and, especially that close at the end as well. Yeah. To be that close yeah, at the end yeah. on varying strategies. That's mm. like there's there's so many elements of this that make it a good race i mean some some have an opinion of the fact that it lulled a bit in the middle but it was i don't know it's one of the that's kind of what happens in long because it's a long race regardless like the time it takes to do a lap even with the changes fair enough it's not quite as long in time as it used to be but we're we're doing extra laps now so it's like it's one of those races that always pushes the two hour limit. So I think you're always going to get that little bit of lull in it compared more so compared to other races, but for it to build up to the crescendo that it did is all you can ask for, in my opinion, in, in reality. Yeah, I think like, they're the best yeah. races. Conver- yeah. Strategy convergence at the end is just the best way a Formula One race. Yeah, exactly. it really is. Yeah. It's so, so fun. That that tension of watching, you know, the times like get the gaps getting smaller and smaller and smaller and just knowing that, you know, one person's going to be on better tires, but their tires are going to be worn by the time they catch up to the person who's maybe on a harder compounded tire. So is the tire going to be roughly on a par with the lead car? Like, oh, just, everything about it is just so, so exciting and so tense. I love it so much. Um, I will say this configuration of um, the Singapore Grand Prix Marina Bay circuit as well, I like a lot more than, mm-hmm. um, than the previous ones. I think having got rid of that sort of Mickey Mouse section that goes round to the bay and then back under the grandstand. Nothing wrong with, you know, the idea of having Grand Prix cars going underneath a grandstand. I think it's cool. I think it's very, very cool. Imagine sitting on that grandstand, looking down at the road, seeing the cars go underneath. (laughs) That must be epic for the people who've got those seats. But it, that set of corners, a great racetrack does not make. Sadly. Yeah. They're they're very clunky. Yeah. And I think this, this should be, this configuration of the circuit should be here to stay. I think. I think this is. I see. In go. theory, this is a temporary change while they're doing some work. But I really yeah. hope they see. I'd like them to leave it. Leave it yeah. as is. I'm I sure they the, can like redo the grandstand so that they've still got yeah. cars going underneath them in that area because it's kind of like 
it goes over the top of that bit of rope. Maybe they could mm. yeah, work that in somehow. I, that would be nice, I think, if they could do that because it is one of the unique features of the racetrack. And yeah. I'm, all, I'm all for a you know a novel racetrack feature. I think it's a really good idea. But <laughs> yeah, not at the expense of the quality of the racing. One of the um, interesting stats that I heard over the weekend watching the coverage was that we obviously have a lot of safety cars here. Like, it's rare that you get a race with no safety car in Singapore. Usually you get multiple. And, 100% record of yeah, safety cars. At and usually multiple. It was, I can't remember the exact stat, and it, anyone with a better memory than me in like Discord or something might be able to on the spot correct the specifics, but something like 60 or 70% of the safety car incidents at Singapore come from incidents through that clunky bit on the marina front. Yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> a huge yeah, proportion that. of them come from, because people used to like lose it on that left-hander more often than not yeah. from what I remember and hit the outside Going wall. under the grandstand. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then because of it being under the grandstand, you've got to get a recovery vehicle on track to pull them out usually. Like there's no way to, to get them out of the way. So I think that that, not having it going forward helps racing in that regard as well. Like the fact that you're not getting like incidents from clumsy bits of contact with the wall that then lead to safety cars and yeah. maybe mess up races and stuff like that. So that's, that's yet another positive of it. And, and like I say, I kind of agree with Stu in the fact that the, the novelty bit of it is nice and it, it's cool to have those, but I definitely take, better racing over novelty like <laughs> yeah. let's keep let's keep this layout and try and get the the novelty into this layout rather than put the layout back in my opinion yeah well, well surely the novel the best mm. kind of novelty is the novelty of an absolutely brilliant grand prix uh, exactly <laughs> <At> this <track. laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, i mean the novelty here would be to get a race without a safety car to be frank <laughs> well yeah i mean it should have been arguably yeah. are we yeah, we yeah. safety car choices were odd weren't they mm. like yeah it we didn't had... seem like it needed a safety car. He was on his way back. Well, he'd already, I mean, he'd already come back into the pits by the time they called This was the car. sergeant crash, right? Yeah. So was that maybe there was like debris on track or something? I that think had he had up? scattered a bit of debris around. Yeah. Which is why they did it. Um, okay. Mm. Well, that's fair enough. You don't want yeah. bits of carbon flying up into the no. or anything, do you? So? No. Where were we? Yeah, sticking to McLaren, I think an equally good drive from Piastri, a very different drive to Norris, but I think equally good. Um, he still had the old spec car, only Norris got the upgrades this weekend, but Piastri, he got caught out by the um, Q1 red flag and started 17th, but he climbed up to 7th. Another extremely good drive from Piastri. That is yeah. a huge drive. I had no Solid. idea. I didn't really. Yeah. yeah, very anonymous. Like He didn't really turn up on the broadcast much, did he? It's the best race to not be shown on TV. Yeah. I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I might go back and watch his onboard. Yeah. Oh, yeah did a lot of those come it. from safety car or um, did he do a lot what of those strategy did he do? Where is he? Um, um he did he basically did the same strategy as most of the field. He started on mediums and switched to hards under the um first safety car. So I don't think he really strategically gained much. I think he was just a very good drive moving forward. Yeah, um, and he's been rewarded for that good drive with a new McLaren contract today. Um, he has. Yes, sixteen races into your career is about as early as I remember someone getting a contract extension. Um, yeah, they're they're keeping him on until the end of twenty twenty six now. Um, 
Norris also has a deal to the end of 2025, so they're locked in for the next couple of seasons. Nice bit of job security for Piastri. It's good news. Yes, yeah. and a nice bit of locked in good drive line for McLaren as well. I think everyone wins yeah. there. Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah, Excellent. should be good going forward for them if they can keep the car developing like it has this season. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Right. We we'll move on to Red Bull. Um, I'll start with my favourite stat of the weekend, which is that. <laughs> Red Bull's run of 102 Q3 appearances ended this weekend, which leaves them one short of Bottas's record of 103 oh. Q3 appearances in a row, which, as a Bottas fan, I'm a big fan of. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just like after this season of domination, they just they just weren't there. Um I mean, we had these new flexible bodywork regulations come into effect. Red Bull said it had no effect on their car, but of course they did. Every team always says that. I do think that's a bit of a red herring. I don't think it yeah. was that that was their problem this weekend. It's not It's not a circuit that did get a huge advantage from the that kind of thing, that kind of situation. I don't think it's it's not. No. I don't think it's yeah. really relevant. <clears throat> I think the... It's so where the DRS two. comes from, isn't it, really? The, the, like, this is why you see such a straight line advantage for the Red Bull is potentially where it's going to affect them because the whole the whole point of this is it's to do with abusing the the flex that is in them when they become under load down a straight, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I've got a few things to say here. Um, first of all, the dream is over. Um, <laughs> I'm absolutely gutted so so gutted that they won't win every race of the season genuinely i was like quite intrigued as to whether they could do it i really really did i would like to see someone do it as boring as it is i would like to see someone win every single race i think the challenge of that is just so monumental i don't i don't think in our lifetimes it'll ever happen but i mean um, if it was going to happen this was going to be a year that it did yeah i think the fact that a team that has been so much at the forefront of the field in every capacity for so long this season to have a weekend like they have just goes to show how hard a task that is like bearing in mind it's what is it is it 15 we've officially done 15 races right or we've done 16 i'm trying to remember where we land with imola well, Imola doesn't count, does it? Because oh, that's yeah. what I mean. I'm trying to remember what if it's 16 rounds or 16 races. But regardless, like even yeah, by old standards of a season, that's only just a full season. They've only just yeah, well, made go, it to yeah, like a really to like old school season. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's um, what I mean. Like, but even by those standards, like they'd have only just made that, which again goes, just goes to show how how hard it actually is to achieve what they've achieved let alone yeah. the perfect season. Yeah. So um, that was the first thing I wanted to say. The dream is over. The second thing is um, that it wasn't just. So I think some people online are getting sort of carried away with the flexible bodywork when actually there was a second technical directive as well, um, which is a slightly more intriguing. So this one's around the floor. It's the same technical directive that they brought in around, I think it was uh, Spa last year, where it was all to do with the the plank and the way the skids work mm. underneath it and the way that moves around. And um, they've started policing that much, much more heavily this weekend. And Red Bull, their issues were with ride height 
this weekend. They weren't able to run the car because of the, they say because of the bumps, they weren't able to run their car at the ride height that they wanted to because they couldn't get the car in because they, they would have skidded, they would have got rid of the plank. They would have, mm-hmm. you know, skimmed too, so much off of it or so much off the skids that they wouldn't have passed the test. Now, Azerbaijan's a pretty bumpy circuit and they didn't have any problems in Azerbaijan. So with the skids and with, with the plank and with ride height. Um, so if, for me, if the issue, I mean, obviously this is a huge caveat, you know, you can't really point fingers at any, what is it's one race things may, we, we might, we may be back to the status quo next week, but if we're not, if in, if at Suzuka, then they're still having issues and they've been reeled in a bit, then I don't think it would have been for, because of the flexi bodywork regulations. I think that's no. not, that's not going to make much difference to them. But if this plank thing is making is causing them to have to run their car that little bit higher and they can't get it into the window, then that could actually have a really serious bearing on the performance of the Red Bull. But we won't know until we see them running no. on Friday. Because that's the interesting thing. Like I think a lot of a lot of Red Bull's performance this season comes from the fact that they are able to run their car much lower than anybody else. So mm-hmm. you get to a circuit like here where you everybody has to raise their ride height. Every other car is kind of already built around yeah. a higher ride height than the Red Bull anyway, so they're not quite as affected. Whereas Red Bull are used to basically like skimming the ground when they've seen a car raise their ride mm-hmm. height. It's going to affect that car more because the car is not designed around that. But well, as you say, Stu, this isn't the only bumpy circuit on the calendar. Yeah, yeah. there's it, there's there's potential. There's a bit more going on around that. But as you, I mean, Suzuka's at the very least going to tell us if the flexi thing is going to affect their DRS advantage. My suspicion is it won't. No, I don't um, think the flex. Yeah, I don't think flexible wings are going to have anything any effect. And Suzuka is ribbon smooth as well. It is yeah. absolutely. Yeah, you know, they're going to be as low as. I don't think it'll affect them next. We, but we could find that, you know, when they are going to, you know, your more bumpy circuits, maybe we'll get to Vegas. That's not going to be, that's <laughs> definitely not going to be a very smooth circuit. Uh, where else have we got? Mexico is not the smoothest. Um, yeah, so we'll, it'll be interesting to see sort of if these bumpy circuits do sort of affect them for the rest of the yeah. season or how these mm-hmm. regulations do, if, if they do have any impact on them for the rest of the season. Cota as um, well is pretty bumpy. I don't think yeah, that really yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, another factor of more Red, Red Bull's wings. Week. Yeah, another factor of their weekend to talk about. It could have been a much worse weekend for them, but I'm really scared here of getting into um, Conspiracy Stewart's favouring teams territory. Mm. I do feel like a lot of decisions seem to go their way a little bit this weekend. Um, Things worked out quite well for Red Bull this weekend. Despite their poor performance, they I don't think mm. it was quite as bad for them as what it could have been. Uh, or maybe so, yeah. some might argue should have been. <laughs> Verstappen had three different offences hanging over him after qualifying. The first one was when he waited at the end of the pit lane and held up a bunch of other drivers. Um, mm-hmm. A gap of about 14 seconds, apparently. Um the stewards on that one basically said, although he didn't really gain an advantage from doing that, largely because the queue was so bad, everyone caught up anyway, there was potential for him to 
cause consequences to other drivers behind him. And they decided to give him a reprimand for it. Um, I don't think that's the most egregious one. I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they gave him more a penalty for it, but... I think it's pretty obnoxious to sit at the end of a live pit lane on a green light and just hold everyone up. I think that's, yeah. I think it's out of order. You know, you, you see any other driver doing it, you're going to be expecting a penalty. I think if someone did that to Verstappen, they'd be straight on the phone trying to get them a penalty. Mm. So, cause you, the rule is that you cannot stop without good reason in the pit lane, in the fast lane of the pit lane, because you're, you're blocking the road. You're blocking other competitors yeah. from using the yeah. racetrack. So, and if you, you wanted know, you, to do you, that, you surely have you could have just, just pull like to the gap between turn boy well, turn three and four and just yeah. like pull off to the side and slow down there. Like to choose to do it in the pit exit is strange. Ridiculous. It's, it's an it's, odd place well, it's, to do I it, mean, there's only it? one, there's only one possible motive why you'd want to do that there. And is that's to stop your competitors from going around you. Right. Well, yeah. <sighs> yeah. And the, the wording of what the steward said, like we've said many times before is it feels a bit like, penalizing the outcome not the offense yeah, it's like, yeah. they didn't actually affect anybody directly they, so yeah they absolutely tripped over themselves to not give him a penalty i think i think they did they, they yeah minced their words so much throughout that whole re- press release that it's just mm. yeah it's so obvious they were just looking for ways not to give a penalty i think it's outrageous yeah weird Next it's one. really weird next one was impeding logan Sargent. Um, so Verstappen said he was basically surrounded by cars at that point. If he'd made a sudden move, he'd probably have caused a crash. He left him as enough space, like as much space as he could. And then Logan Sargent basically went and said, yeah, I, I, I agree with him and defended Max. So I if, if, agree with them both on that one. I don't think that was yeah, a yeah, I think major that's, issue. I think that's fair. Yeah, no problem with that. Third one, impeding Yuki Tsunoda. So Red Bull basically admitted... We didn't tell Max soon enough. We communicated badly um, that Snow was approaching. The stewards said they reviewed previous similar incidents and they gave him another reprimand for that and a 5,000 euro fine to the team. Two interesting things to note here, both of which bother me. The first one is they say they review previous similar incidents. Monaco this year... Leclerc was given a three-place penalty for impeding one of the McLarens, I think it was. And at that point in time, the stewards said, we accept this wasn't Leclerc's fault. It was just bad communication on the part of the team. We've looked at previous things and we've given him a three-place penalty. So same explanation, different penalty given. Bit weird. And then the second thing that bothers me about this is that, funnily enough, Alpha Terry decided not to go to the hearing on this one, even though Sonoda was livid about it. Yeah. So th- this raises two questions, doesn't it? There's a, there's a question of should teams be allowed to have two teams in a world championship that has only 10 teams in it? And it raises the other question of are the stewards applying the rules correctly? And I think the answer to both of those questions is no. <laughs> <laughs> I find it hard to disagree with I mean. That. The the thing for me is I don't necessarily have a problem with the specifics of like, you know, a sister team, junior team, whatever you want to call it. I don't necessarily have a problem with that specifically. What I do have a problem with is like if they come to the conclusion that they do just because that team's decided not to represent themselves, shouldn't matter. 
Yeah, it doesn't like, change the it, fact, it, does it? Shouldn't whether yeah. they, whether they've turned up or not, it doesn't change the fact that there is an like an imposition put on Sonoda's uh, lap, and essentially the exact same scenario with the exact same um, kind of outcome description as Chris pointed out before normally results in penalty uh, penalty places. And I I will say for the record as well. I personally think that in a situation like this where the driver could have done nothing about it, it was purely because the team didn't tell them someone was coming. I think penalising the driver with a grid drop in that situation is actually pretty harsh. And I think penalising the team, not the driver, is actually probably the right thing to do. And and looking at these two incidents, I think, if anything, Leclerc getting the grid drop in Monaco was probably too harsh. So So I don't really disagree with what, Happened to Verstappen. Therein lies the, the irony of, of consist- it, doesn't yeah. it? Therein lies the, the irony of, of it. And if, if for example, the outcome of this is that in these scenarios where there's sufficient proof that you know that the team have not made the driver aware with enough time that there's a driver on a hot lap, essentially, you're about to block him, move, and in future this is how they are handled with. A team penalty. It comes back to like unsafe releases. People don't always like the fact that a driver is specifically penalised for an unsafe release rather than the team. Yeah. And it, 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 it's if that is changed and that becomes the norm and it becomes the fact and that's explained as to to why it makes some sense and you can kind of go forward with it. But when it's just a, a cut and dry, like these two incidents are the same, same description, same outcome except for the actual penalty handle out with no explanation as to the difference. That's why it gets the reaction it does. Like if they'd literally come out and said, we're trying to change what is essentially team-based penalties to penalise the team and, and try and not hurt the driver as much, there'd at least be some justification to it, but you've got none of that. Well, I think, uh, well, <clears> yeah, I think, I think I think you're right in as much as the lack of explanation from the FIA is galling and it and it and it causes people like us and the you know everyone else on the internet to to kick off about it and get upset about it. But I think I think if you if you changed it so that every time this happened then the driver never gets a grid penalty then teams would just stop communicating with drivers about who's catching up because they'd be yeah, worried about getting those grid penalties. <laughs> So it, it just gives them carte blanche to to block each other, really, if that happens. Yeah. So it puts all the onus on the And then just blame it on the team. Yeah. So, and it is so difficult for the driver to, when these cars are coming, especially at a circuit like Singapore with lots of, you know, really, really tight left-right-handers, 90-degree turns, it's virtually impossible for the for the driver themselves to know that someone's going, well, it is any circuit, yeah. it's impossible to, for them to know who's on a hot lap. So you need that safety measure. I think if they if they made it so that you didn't get a grid penalty, then teams would stop communicating with drivers and then there'd be a huge accident at some point, someone would lose their legs. And that's not what you want, is it? Mm. So It also opens up the possibility, as Discord has pointed out, that like if, it, if the precedent is that it's only a fine, well, oh, what's that? Our championship rival is on the way around. We'll just conveniently forget to warn our driver they're coming, exactly. ruin their lap and just soak yeah. up the fine. Yeah. So yeah. it, it, you you do need it, it has to be a sporting penalty for me. It has to be, um, it has to be a grid 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 drop. I can't believe they didn't apply it. I think it's just, I guess they thought, oh, it's going bad enough for them. We don't need to make matters worse for them. But 
at the end of the day, we say this all the time, the rules are rules and they should be applied consistently across the sport, no matter who they're applied to and no matter why they're being applied. Like that is it's just, that, that's why you have a rule book in sport. And it makes the sport very difficult to, for people to follow, for new people to, to come mm. into, you know, they have all the same questions we have and they think they don't, that they just, they go away because they're not interested in a sport that doesn't understand its own rules. <laughs> Well, here, here's, I mean, here's another one to get annoyed They wouldn't be wrong, in my opinion, but that's me. <laughs> yeah. Here's another one for you then. Yeah, so Perez, I don't think it's going too far to say dive-bombed Alex Albon and basically like T-boned him into a wall. Mm. Um, he ruined Albon's race. He lost a bunch of time like getting back on circuit, dropped him out of the points. Huge loss for Williams because Haas and Alpha Terry both scored points this weekend and that's the fight they're in. Perez carried on, he passed Lawson, he got eighth place. Perez was given a five-second penalty, which had no effect on his finishing position. Yeah, inconsequential. Yeah. For comparison, Alonso, all on his own, nowhere near any other cars, accidentally went over the pit entry line. Ah, uh, yeah. He got the same five-second penalty. What like, is that? What like, is that? Ridiculous. Yeah. Can, can I ask, has Perez had uh, penalty points on his license for that? Uh, Do no, I don't believe so. See, that's stupid. Didn't I'm sure Alonso got two penalty points for going over that line. Oh my god, if he did. If he did, um I think he might have, you know. I could be with uh, at this point you. I'll be done with the penalty points. Mm. I know I, I know we don't like it already because I of mean, the way they distribute them, but that just hi- that is the joke of penalty points personified right there. Yeah. yeah. No, tell like Perez did get some. He oh, got right, then. <laughs> the one incident. The one a point, incident. A single point. One, one point. Is that it? A, a, a penalty point. Didn't Gasly get three for like going slightly off track one time and cutting a corner or something stupid? Mate, last yeah, season, Gasly got four points yeah. if you looked at the stewards the wrong way. Like, <laughs> yeah. what a joke! Penalty points are ridiculous. Um, um, well, Gas- Gasly was probably a little bit too vocal about how crap the stewards were. Last yeah, season, probably. <laughs> Ugh, There's your conspiracy. Anyway. There's your conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Lawson. Let's yeah. talk about Lawson. Let's, we need we'll to move, move on. on. Yeah, Liam Lawson. Move on. <laughs> I mean, just another amazing weekend. Um, yeah. Got through to Q3 for the first time. Outqualified both the Red Bulls in the process. <laughs> um, Hell on for ninth, got his first points. Um, he's giving Red Bull and Alpha Terry a real driver headache now. Um, it's It's... it's it's getting pretty widely reported now that Ricardo is pretty much guaranteed a seat there next season, should he want it, which we can only assume he does. Um, I imagine a lot of that is related to the kind of identity change that that team's having next season. So they're mm. going to have it. We know they're having a name change. Um, at one point, it was supposed to be Hugo Boss, but I think that's disappeared oh, now. Last, no. last thing I read that uh, it might be Adidas that are interested in no, being a title sponsor. No, don't do this. Um, oh, please, no. But they're also kind of changing their philosophy to kind of be closer to Red Bull, use more of their parts, and sort of be you know more than just a junior team. And I guess having an experienced driver makes sense if you're trying to grow that team into more of a contender not just a junior team so i can see why wait wait a sec aren't they taking like the absolute maximum number of components from red bull i read that they were going the other way and they were going to take more and more off red bull oh yeah like next season they're going to yeah Yeah. 
but but with the with the point being is that they don't want to just only exist as a place to put young drivers they sort of want the, the team to stand on their own two feet a bit more and like be more of a contender for like regular good finishes and what better way oh, to do right. that than take more parts from the best team mm. on the grid so they want them to stand on their own two feet on the one hand but they're going to give them all the parts yeah, exactly on the other yeah Ugh, that, great yeah makes I mean, perfect sense at least it's better than Haas borrowing Ferrari parts <laughs> at least it's going to be more in theory there's more success have you seen the comment in the discord maybe AlphaTauri should be called Red Calf <laughs> <laughs> Classic, um, classic. But yeah, so that kind of essentially leaves Alpha Terry with one seat available. And they've kind of got Sonoda and Lawson to choose from now. And like the fact that Lawson's sort of already put himself in this position within three races is shows how well he's doing. Um Yeah, I mean look, a season's a long time in Formula One. I think yeah, he's had he's had a very, very good run. Um, we said a lot of really positive things about De Vries last year after he had some, <laughs> you know, some really good times. And, you know, he ended up at AlphaTauri and look what happened to him. So, yeah, um, yeah I think obviously he's had a very, very, very challenging set of races and circumstances to come racing at with AlphaTauri. And I think he has proved himself absolutely worthy of a Formula One drive. It's just whether or not they can find space for him. Yeah. Um, I think someone someone asked in the Discord a couple of days ago if it sh- how long until Sergeant's booted out and Lawson jumps in a Williams or something like that. Which I have seen that suggested in a few places because, like, I really want Sergeant to do well, but it's just not panning out, is it? Like, hmm. he's had moments throughout the season, but then like this race, he just kind of lost it all on his own when he was in an okay position. And it wouldn't be the first time Red Bull have loaned out a driver to Williams. I mean, that's how Albon was there in the first place, although he's not connected to them anymore. So it's a possibility, Um, which isn't even to mention the six drivers Red Bull have currently got in Formula 2. Like, who knows where they're all going to end? I mean, they'll all be in Super Formula next year because there's nowhere else for them to go. (laughs) But yeah, it's going to be... I'm fascinated to see how that particular bit of the driver market shakes out. I hope he gets a seat. I hope he deserves what, it. What I would like to see, and this would be really interesting, is, and we haven't even spoke about Stroll. Let's just quickly mention Stroll before oh. we move on because there's not much left and we need to be quick. Stroll's accident in Q in qualifying, Q1, Q1 oh. was literally like your first day playing the new Formula One game oh. <laughs> and pushing way it too hard. A- it's a weird crash, wasn't it? That oh my god, it and was a big a, one. It was a big crash, and it was just um, it looked like he was just massively overdriving at the time. Like he he was yeah. so loose and so wild at the wheel, soaring at the wheel Every, through that whole sequence of corners, just desperately pushing, pushing so hard. Like you could tell two corners before that accident that something was going to happen. I thought. I, the way he was driving, I just thought he is pushing so hard, mm. and we're on board live with it as well. And it just, yeah, yeah. it looked like he really was going to drop it, and and he did. It was a horrible accident. It was so fast. It was really, yeah. Yeah, I can understand why he wasn't driving the next day. Like, yeah, I felt totally. like one the next day. Um, but yeah. to my point, you can see Lawson. If if you've got people like Stroll making mistakes like that, yes, you know, Dad owns the team. But how, you know, what? 
what has Lance Stroll got to do to get fired? Because yeah, yeah, he can't carry on if they're serious about that team. We've we've been here before, but if they're really serious about that team competing at the front, like yeah, I'd yeah. like to see Liam Lawson as understudy to Fernando Alonso. I think that'd be a really, really I good think combo. it'd be amazing. <laughs> I think any other team or any other boss would be snapping at his heels to get him in that seat. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, Red Bull would be giving him a massive pay rise to hold on to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, last couple of bits to mention. Um, I've got to mention Ocon, who was having a really, really good race until his Alpine failed on him again. His fourth retirement in six races now. Wow. Real unreliability problems there. Yes, um, yeah. Gasly did well. It was a decent sixth place for Gasly. But um, yeah, this, this run of bad results has dropped them way behind McLaren now. They're basically, they're not going to get higher than sixth now, which is way below where that team wants to be. But they're going to struggle yeah. to cling on to sixth if they keep having yeah. this, this many yep. retirements. Um, yeah, I mean, well, luckily for them, Williams are like 60 points behind, so mm. they're basically done. They're going to be sixth regardless of what happens. Yeah. Um, and then last thing to mention, I mean, there's nothing much to say in terms of Alfa Romeo's race, um, but they did hold it the right weekend. there. Alfa Romeo are my team at the moment. I've got a uh, Alfa Romeo 4C on Gran Turismo with a Valtteri Bottas livery. <laughs> Would you like to tell us anything <laughs> interesting about their race in Singapore? I can't think of anything. Uh, <laughs> so you're you're the case in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they did confirm that Joe is going to be staying alongside Bottas for another season. Um, Good. Yeah, I think he deserves it. I was a little surprised because they're in such a weird space, that team. Like, they're mm. just, they're about to lose their Alfa Romeo um, branding, but Audi aren't coming in for another couple of years. They're kind of in a weird middle ground. They're going to be like a, like a <laughs> sort of, what is it? What's the cheap uh, goods you get in a supermarket? Like the own like brand. Like own brand, oh, no, yeah. No, yeah. Own brand, no name, Formula One team. <laughs> <laughs> for a year. Tesco value. Yeah. Imagine they got Tesco available. sponsorship. <laughs> Tesco value, though, just like all white. Yeah. Simply, simply just some, Tesco. Some blue, blue, vertical blue stripes on the yeah. airbox and leave it at that. That's so funny. I love that that yeah. joke is one of the classic ones that will not work outside of the UK. For, no, for no the one's going to outside the UK. Insert <laughs> basic supermarket here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, a weird place they're in. Um, it kind of leaves Teo Chair with nowhere to go as well, who's been their protege for a number of years now, and he's kind of just still stuck there. Like, you, it's hard not to feel like both their drivers are keeping the seats warm until Audi come in and make some decisions, really, doesn't it? Yeah, kind of. But, like, you hope... I mean, I'd like to see Valtteri Bottas in that seat for a few more years while the Audis... Mm. While Audi are around. Um Joe, you know, Joe did a decent drive this Grand Prix. Um, he was on alternative strategy and he's done a good job with it. So I think he's doing fine over the course of his yeah. time in Formula One so far. I think he's been an, a, a perfectly good driver. So I don't see any reason for them not to renew him. And I don't, it's not like they've got anyone waiting in the wings to take that seat, especially given yeah. that the team are basically about to be become a, a, a whole different team so there's no junior program really it's not like audi are going 
oh, let's put one of our junior drivers in here so that we can, you know, have a yeah, have the ball rolling when we land. Like, it feels to me like they want to have everything, want to go in and just set everything up themselves at the the times right. I think the key thing here is the fact that it goes back to being Sauber briefly in between. Like, it's a it's a case for that for that core team that's always been there to sort of, I guess it's it's sort of a stick with what you know because there's going to be nothing more from a turmoil point of view of like losing that connection to alpha and maybe having to start certain aspects again because mm. because of the ties that it might short and so on and so forth so to at least keep the driver lineup stable and have two people that are integrated within the team work well within the team and can help develop the, whatever they're doing for themselves again rather than it you know they be they surely there'll be elements that stop coming from ferrari for example once yeah. the alpha branding's gone so having the drivers that they know in the team and that can give them the feedback they need will hopefully mitigate that loss is what yeah, I'm getting it'll, at, I guess. Yeah. It'll ease the transition into yeah. Formula 1 for Audi already. Having two drivers who know what they're doing is going to be good for them if when they uh, yeah. when they come in as well. So, yeah. yeah. I still think if I were Audi, my priority one would be reuniting Norris and Sainz. <laughs> Kyle Lando. Right now, they're both out of contract in 2025. And with Andreas Seidel there especially, I would be tr- desperately trying to Dream that team. That's Dream that team. Would be really- oh, I would love that so much. Okay, we need to do the rest of the podcast. Let's go. Yes, yeah. let's pick a driver of the day. I think I think lots of candidates this week. Mm. Yeah, I think it's an easy one. I think it's, it's got to be one of those where we give it to the winner. It's Carlos Sainz. I think he's nailed it. Probably one of the harder choices to make overall, but yeah, I think for me it was signs for the stellar strategy drive with big mentions for the likes of Piastri and Lawson, who maybe went a little bit unnoticed because of just what was happening at the front for once. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to give Magnussen a mention actually because I remember watching on the broadcast he pitted under the VSC. He was. Uh, he switched to soft under the VSC. He came out basically at the back. And I remember hearing the commentators go, like, oh, that's terrible time for Magnussen. That's ruined his race. <laughs> and the next thing he popped up in 10th and got a point. Like, I'm not really sure how he did it. So I really want to watch his onboard of that last stint. But yeah, he did really well to drag that hat back into the yeah, points. Yeah, that's, that's true. Nice. Yeah, um, yeah like Lawson, Piastri, Norris, think all worth a mention. But I think, yeah, I think we kind of have to give it to science there, don't we? Yeah. Uh, what about move of the day? Ocon passing Alonso while Alonso was trying to pass Perez. What you've got? That was so here. good. That's a really good one. So optimistic to get that done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how they didn't all have a massive crash when that was no. going on. Yeah, I was especially about to when, say that, especially when Perez involved. <laughs> <laughs> like that. That situation for me as it was unfolding was like that was already earmarked as my move of the day just for the the wheel-to-wheel combat and how good it actually was, like going through multiple corners, um, taking them like side-by-side side at times as well. Like there was, It was some very good driving between Ocon and Alonso and that. Yeah. Um, there's like a couple of non-overtake ones you could mention, like Mercedes strategically was a good move and the way Sainz handled that last stint, like slowing down to give, just to keep Norris within DRS, like... But I think if we're going to stick to like an actual on-track move, move of the day, it's got to be Ocon. 
Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we have to. I think it has to be. If when it can be, it should be a actual a true move. Really. Yeah, We're stretching yeah. the definition otherwise. Yeah, an, an overtake or a, or a staunch defense. Um, next yeah. one. Final award. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, I already know what mine is. Will <laughs> not get into be Perez. What have we got? Russell's Russell's crash is pretty hectic. Uh, have you seen what? this? Have you seen this <laughs> driver of the day thing? Tell me. So driver of the day, what? So I think they might put it on screen during the race, but they also like put it on social media saying, did you know an average of 209 countries take part in driver of the day vote every single race, which is interesting because according to the United Nations, there's only 196 countries in the world. So I'm not sure where F1 are getting these additional few countries from. Maybe, maybe they're recognising, are they recognising like city-states or something? Or? I have no idea, but it's such a, it's such an F1 stat to just get Make to know. Up, I mean, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like we had the one, was it last week or, mm. or the week before, where they just like counted the number of, days alonzo had been in the sport wrong or something like yeah do you know don't get me started the scariest bit about that stat by the way is it's an average of 209 countries take part which means some weekends is apparently more (laughs) yeah where are they finding all these countries (laughs) ridiculous yeah bizarre um anything else for wtf red 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 bull not getting to q3 is just whack like this season, even mm, even though this was like, a, you know, obviously the the field is really tight and it's really really, you know, if you drop if you drop the ball the way they did this weekend, then you are going to get gobbled up. I think that's what it shows first of all. But it's just so shocking that 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 happened. Like you didn't, ex- I didn't. Who'd have thought they would suddenly lose so much performance at this track? Like yeah, it's a bumpy track. Yeah, it's mm. a little bit different. Yeah, we've seen other teams sort of lose their edge at this circuit before, but. Is it really that much of an outlier that you're going to lose that it, much of an it's advantage? Really I don't, weird. Yeah, I, mm. I think a lot's gone wrong at Red Bull this weekend for for that to happen. It's very uncharacteristic, and I'd be, I, I really would be surprised if it doesn't have something to do with the floor, um, not the flexible bodywork thing, the floor thing and the ride. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Um, yeah, that's my one. Yeah, I mean, coming into the episode, it was. Perez just managing to steamroll through people and barely any penalties um, <laughs> as a consequence. But I have to say, an average of 209 countries voting on driver of the day is the most WTF-like yeah, I mean, Formula it? One thing I think I've seen. We'll give it either. that then. Let's give it to that one. Um, right, Tom, right. do you want to take us through some predictions? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be quick with this because of how long we've already been on the episode. So... Um, not many people scored many points for probably obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> so a notable mention to Tim Fosfett, who uh, was the only person this week scoring three points with a double science and 15 finishes. So well done to Tim. Uh, and in terms of at the top, that leaves James Hunt and effortlessly tied at the top on 33 points. And then uh, Dagan Deshami and Benjamin Claxton tied behind them on 31 points. So a little bit of a gap forming there, but still not much in it. Still not much in it. Um, very quick mention of a grid rival, um, Raniel Ricardo and Strat GPT. Uh, that what a team name that is, by the way. Uh, one thousand one hundred and two points. Uh, effortlessly still leads the way with fifteen thousand two hundred eighty-one there. In the official F one fantasy, it hurts when I piastri. 
it's me. I it's somehow, you. Is that you? I, that's me. <laughs> 365 points, boys. Do you know what that is? I went all in on science. I had him double in our predictions league, and I used my triple point booster on the Formula One fantasy on Carlos Science in my team this week. So that's all I've got to thank for that. It's just well pure faith in Carlos Science. 300, 365 points. So yeah. just, just, just as many points as there is days in the average year. <laughs> yes <laughs> just about at least that stat actually works <laughs> um, in terms of overall we actually have a new leader in the F1 fantasy it's been Spinquisition for so long I assumed that's the name I'd be reading out I am not I'm reading out a name of Ricky Bobby Racing School with 4,461 points Ooh. so congratulations to you Shake and Bake I watched that <laughs> film on my flight home Funnily enough. So I'm on fire. Maybe, I'm on fire. maybe it was an omen. <laughs> maybe it was an omen. Um, but yeah, so if you want to get involved with any of this, head to backofthegrid.com. You can sign up and join in with the Predictions League there, which is always worth doing because there's prizes if you get five out of five. And then there's also links on there in a in a fantasy F1 section for Grid Rival and the official F1 fantasy one as well. Right. Well, Japan storylines. Yeah, move on to Japan. Stu, do you want to do some storylines? I'll take you through some storylines. So, first storyline this week. Will Red Bull be back to their dominant best? Will they wrap up the Constructors title? Red Bull need to outscore Merck by one point and not be outscored by Ferrari by 24 points. A lot of the word by in that line there, mm. but you can see what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, <laughs> it in, sounds likely. I think they'll probably do it, but um, it all depends, you know, it all depends on how if they can recover from this poor performance, if they can, you know, get their head around their car that they suddenly not don't be able to <laughs> seem to understand anymore after however many yeah. races it's been. Um, I'm sure they will. Um, but, you know, we'll we'll see. Any, anything to add, gentlemen? The no. most disappointing thing for me about this bad weekend for Red Bull is that it now means Verstappen probably won't win the title in the sprint race at Qatar because for a long time it was looking like he might have wrapped up the title on a Saturday afternoon in a sprint yeah. race, which would have been hilarious to see like them scramble to like make something out of it. It's still possible, yeah. but it's it's less likely now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Will Ferrari's good form continue? They're just 24 points behind Mercedes now. Um, Ferrari have looked pretty good this last couple of races. Um, Suzuka, is it going to play to the Ferrari strengths? It'll be a high tyre wear circuit, I think. A lot of yeah, yeah, a lot of long, fast corners in Suzuka. So I'm it's gonna hurt. less optimistic for Ferrari. I think Mercedes could have a good showing though there. Mm. Um, next one: Can Aston Martin drag themselves back to be the best of the rest fight with Mercedes, Ferrari, and McLaren? Um, yeah, they've been a bit out of sorts, haven't they? This last really have. They expected a much better result in Singapore than what they yeah. got as well. I mean, 50% of the driver lineup maybe can. <laughs> that run of podiums at the start of the season feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it? It does. It does. And McLaren just get it going from strength to strength, getting faster and faster and faster, it seems, as well. So, yeah, yeah um, I, I think, you know, like if, if Red Bull can... If, if we can get another race like this in this year... It, mm -hmm. but get Red Bull in the mix as well. How great would that be? I have like five yeah. cars, all yeah. more or less similar speed, all competing for a race win. I think, yeah, I'm here for that. That's what I want. 100%. Uh, 
Um, next one, can Lawson produce another good result at a circuit he's already driven at this year in Super Formula? That is going to help him a lot, I think, especially at a circuit like Suzuka. Yeah. Look how well he's done so far at circuits that he's largely not really had much familiar with, familiarity with, especially mm-hmm. Singapore. Yeah. And um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how how well he goes in Japan. Um, do we know when Ricardo is coming back? Well, at the moment, all I've said is not Suzuka. Um, Lawson's definitely in the car this weekend. I think they're targeting... What is after Suzuka? It will be... Uh, Qatar. Qatar, yeah. I think that's kind of his target now. But, cool. yeah, we'll see. Interesting. Um, yeah, and that's it for Storylines this week. Right, should we quickly make some predictions for Japan? Yeah, yes. Can. Let's go. Right, fastest in Q3, gentlemen. Verstappen. Easy. I think it has to be. I'm really annoyed at myself because all season I've been saying Singapore is going to be the track that Red Bull will slip up on. And then I still went and said Verstappen last week. But <laughs> You missed a chance. Yeah, I really did. But I think the fundamentals of that car suit, suit oh, they're going to be. Suzuka really, really well. I think Untouchable, they're going to I think, yeah. destroy the competition. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I can't disagree with any of Which it, unfortunately. I, I, I can't wait for. Um, yeah. I'm saying double Verstappen. You're saying double Verstappen? I am saying double Verstappen. I'm double Verstappen too. Is Tom going to mix it up a bit? No, not this week. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm with Stu. Like, I think that this feels like one of those circuits that it's just the pedigree that the car's made for, isn't it? A circuit like this. So, yeah, I I can't look past their dominance, unfortunately. First DNF, anyone got a shout? I have. Um... Aston Martin have done this really cringy social media thing today about like how Alonso's affinity with the samurai oh, spirit and okay. he's, how he's Alonso loves being in Japan. So based on that, I'm going to say Alonso. Stew, anything? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go Sergeant because okay. I don't think he's very good. <laughs> <laughs> and and on a similar vein to Chris and my usual, like just bad end to what should be a good weekend. I'm obviously going Sonoda in this scenario. Oh, That'd be a hat trick of first so, DNFs for you. Why are you like it? this? That's so mean. I mean, mate, I've been doing it for five years now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> this is our rule. And usually it works out, funnily enough. So I'm sticking with it. Uh, right, number of finishers. Um, it's not a particular well, race a of attrition or anything, is it? At least an Alpine retirement. Because I'm going to get in early yeah. and say 18. Oh, he's going for it. I was going to say 17, so I'm going to throw that in there and leave Stu in a tough spot. I'm going to go 19. <laughs> I think 19 is a safe number. Okay. The, the only thing that I've struggled with lately is we've, we've been having races where one car's not been starting, so you're already down to 19 finishes before <laughs> yeah. the races even started. Mm. <laughs> um, and finally, can we have a random driver, please, Chris, from what is left? It is man of the moment, Carlos Sainz. Ooh, this will be an interesting one. Uh, Fifth. Ooh, straight in there. Have You're you thinking about... Mercedes will be faster than Ferrari, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was kind I of in the same I'm inclined ballpark. to agree with you, yeah. McLaren could be. I mean, it could be as low as sixth or seventh. Because you've got McLaren in the mix as well. I think McLaren. I'm going to agree probably. with you and say fifth, I think. I'm going to change mine to. If you're going fifth, can I change mine to. <laughs> yeah. 
I'll go you to talk, Smith then. You talk yourself to down. I don't, I don't want us to be the same. That's the main reason I don't want us to be the same. I'd like to change yeah. mine and also say six feet. I'm putting mine in as fourth just because I think that it will be a little bit of a mix-up behind Verstappen, basically, like a Merck, a McLaren, a Ferrari. So I could see it being like Hamilton, Lando, and Sainz in some degree behind him. So that's kind of we've where got, I'm going. We've got 4th, 5th, 6th, and then we've got 17th, 18th, 19th. <laughs> 8, 17, 18, 19. Let's count together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we should remind people as well that obviously being in Japan, this is a much earlier race than we've been used to this season. So sort of European people, you'll probably want to get your Preds in on Friday night um, and anyone east of that. Uh, and yeah, as ever, backofthegrid.com. Even if you've not signed up before, go do it, join in, win a prize if you get five out of five. Boom. Shall we finish up with a little bit of inbox? We Let's shall. Do it. <laughs> Keep me saying now. Stay, stay out. Hey, man. Who's reading this first one? You oh, can, no. Stu. Oh God. Okay. But this is this is not this is a question that's not really meant for me to read out. But never mind. Uh, <laughs> that's why I'm making you do it. <laughs> okay. This this person's called Max, funnily enough, as well. Max <laughs> says, "I couldn't be happier to see Max's other Max. Obviously, one of the one Max. Not a Max. Not I couldn't be happy Max. to see my own. Unless <laughs> Max Verstappen is a listener and he's uh, <laughs> writing, it's possible." <laughs> Max says, I couldn't be happier to see Max's reign of terror end, but a friend don't. But a friend a friend commented that now it had gone on so long, he was invested in the perfect Red Bull season. That might have been me. Um, my question is this. Was any part of you sad to see Red Bull not win? Yeah, for me, yeah. I think part of me was a little bit like, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm very, very happy science won, but... I think when we got into qualifying, part of me was really, really sad, but <laughs> a really big part of me found it absolutely hilarious as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's nice that they like broke all the records they did. They deserved it, but yeah, it was good to see somebody else win. And mm. it's like um, <laughs> oh, in in three hundred when uh. He just has to prove that the God King can bleed, so everyone like turns against him. Like, it was that, and it's like, oh, they are, they are, do have some kind of fallible mortality. They're not just yeah. this perfection juggernaut. <laughs> That's good, exactly. Tom? Yeah, I've got nothing more valuable to add. Like, part part of me did want to see if he could get through the field at Singapore to to recover it, but I was never he tried. expecting it. Like, he they didn't have the pace, so I never really expected it. So yeah next one um, next one from Connor Daly after the exciting end of this race do you think the FIA will finally implement some regulation changes to draw Red Bull back so we get this sort of thing more often <laughs> no <laughs> the short answer is no and and I don't think they should like <sighs> well you might argue they already have <laughs> well potentially <laughs> well, yeah. we'll, we'll find out next week <laughs> yeah I, I think it's possible they'll make some changes for next season mm. to try and, you They're know, bring not, the field a bit closer together. They're not at the moment, but they are planning changes for 2026 to make the cars easier to follow each other because mm -hmm. it's, it's become, it, it got about 
you lost about 50% of your downforce, say, in 2021. Yeah. And by 2022, you're only losing about 20% of your downforce. Yeah. And now we're in 2023. They reckon it's about 35% in the following. So, Which makes it all the more amazing that we got four cars battling for yeah. Singapore, of all places. But yeah, I, I don't think... like. It's not the most fun to watch one team or one driver dominate a whole season, but it's also not much fun to watch the rules being manipulated to try to change the way the season's going. So I don't, I, yeah. I don't think, I agree. I don't think they need to do that. I think the other teams just need to do better. I think it's as simple as that. Ultimately, and oh, and there are already things in place actually to try and. I think if we got to the end of next season and Red Bull is still absolutely, totally stonewall dominant then mm-hmm. maybe they'll need to tweak the aerodynamic regulations to penalise the, the the winning team. Like, say they... Yeah. I was thinking maybe, like, something like the more championships you win in a row, that the more, basically, you, your win total time halves every time you win a championship kind of thing. It's <laughs> up to the point where, like, you just have to run the same car again. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way to level it. That, I mean, if Red Bull continue to dominate the way they are, that's going to be the only way they're going to... Yeah, be able to rein back in yeah. and make a competitive championship again. So you know, I don't hate the idea, but yeah, in terms of like in-season changes or like short notice changes to reel a team in or banning things and stuff like that, I'm not a fan of that. I think if a, if a team's innovative and they come up within the financial regulations, if they come up with a an innovation that makes them fast or a set of innovations that make them very fast, then fair play to them. They deserve a, they deserve to win the championship. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. true. Uh, Lewis Burns says, um, would Lewis have won? Not this Lewis, a different Lewis, obviously. <laughs> Akin to the previous question. <laughs> this is the weirdest inbox. <laughs> <laughs> would Lewis have won if he and George had switched positions? And also, um, are you surprised that no team decided to split strategies? Is it just the way the cookie crumbled? Yes, and I'm surprised that... I'm not. I shouldn't be surprised, but I am a little bit surprised that um, Ferrari didn't pit Leclerc. I think they could have had a better, better finish. Yeah, the agreed. Uh, yeah, that, that's the biggest um, non-split strategy team decision out of the lot. I think for me, that mm-hmm. I'm surprised by. It makes sense that Mercedes followed suit with each other because of. I mean, look at the outcome. Um, yeah. Most uh, Mercedes said after the race they never even considered it because, given how yeah. close they were, it would have been massively unfair on one driver if they yeah. left one out and gave the others fresh tires so i understand why they didn't yeah so yeah, uh, yeah ferrari's the only one that really shocks me there and uh, yeah i think i have to agree with you guys you, we talked about it earlier that lewis probably would have been able to get past lando and um carlos but like we also said he's, he's kind of got to get past his own teammate on merit i think to some degree because yeah. George yeah. had put in a very strong performance to get to that position in the first place, and he and he qualified him. Yeah, it wouldn't have been fair to just to just undo that. Um, I mean, he undid it for himself, so well, yeah, <laughs> that was harsh. He didn't, yeah. he didn't need to let him through in the end because he crashed. <laughs> well, he yeah, just went through. Um, next one is from Andrea Hanna. Um, it says Norris and Piastri at McLaren for the next two years and a working car. How epic is this driver lineup? Very, very epic, I think. Very. Mm-hmm arguably a candidate for one of the best on the grid next year, I think. Yeah. If they can look if if they keep progressing the way they are. 
then they, they have to. They really they're going to be in. The, they're going to be in the mix, aren't they? They're, those guys for and if Red Bull get sort of pulled back by their lack of wind tunnel time, the way Christian Horner believes seems to believe that hmm. um, would the, the the way. Let me rephrase that. The way Christian Horner would tell you <laughs> that the wind tunnel uh, lack of wind tunnel time is going to affect Red Bull leading into next season, then you know we. Next season, we could have a really, really interesting top half of the field on our hands. I hope so. For once, I, hope, hope. I genuinely hope that he's not talking rubbish. Yeah, I mean, we do already. We do already have an interesting top half of the field. It's just the very, very top of the field is really <laughs> so far ahead. <laughs> yes. it makes, makes the rest of the field look a bit amateur, doesn't it? But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah in, on to, just to round off about McLaren, yeah, I think they've got a wicked driver lineup, and if that car keeps progressing, then they're going to smash it. Yeah. And that just about does us for this week. So thank you, everybody, as ever, for listening and watching. Um, make sure you give us subscribes and likes and all of the things wherever it is you're watching or listening to this. Uh, Backofthegrid.com is where you can play the predictions league and you can also contact us there and we're on all of the various social media things as well we will be back next week um i think we hopefully we'll all be there <laughs> tbc and it should be a normal time of the week again next week as well to discuss the japanese grand prix which i'm very excited about i think i'm going to go and drive some laps of suzuka once we're finished here <laughs> so until then thanks again and goodbye bye, bye. bye.